Welcome to Streams of Income with self-help author Ryan Rieger. For the next hour, you'll hear proven methods for how to live the multiple income streams dream. Ryan is passionate about helping others discover their gifts and start their own business. He's published five books, and his courses and group coaching programs have changed the lives of thousands of students all over the world. Ryan's books include Private Label, The Easy Way, Finding Your Grace Place, and his latest, Streams of Income. And now, here's your host, Ryan Rieger. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger. Today, we are chatting with Doug Seabuck. He's the CEO of Partners Worldwide, the author of a book called My Business, My Mission. Quick backstory here. So you guys know I'm a Christian, and I have wondered for a long time how I can use my skill set in business, this weird niche skill set of building an online business. How can I use that to benefit the kingdom of God? And so literally one day in 2016, I was writing down or looking, I was praying about and, uh, and I started Googling using business as missions. And I came up, I found a group, an organization called BAM, Business as Mission. And they were having a conference that September here in Dallas. So I went to that conference, met some people and just started exploring how I can use what I'm doing in business to be a blessing to the world around me and use it um, essentially like as a missionary would. Um, and so I've been in the BAM movement, uh, you know, talking to different folks, getting involved here and there, mostly with um, just uh, donations, and but uh, always in the back of my mind, wondering how else I can be helpful. And I know that I'm doing, doing that with my virtual assistant service. I'm creating jobs in the Philippines, and that's awesome. But um, I recently was on the BAM site looking at just other ways, other people that are what they're doing. They have a they had a virtual conference this year that I attended, made some more connections and came along across this book on their website and started reading about Doug Seaback and his story. Now, he and his wife, Gail, uh, moved to Kenya and then to Uganda and just started uh, businesses and uh, started helping the local population. And then he came back and started an organization called Partners Worldwide. And it really just comes down to connecting business owners here with business owners globally. And he said that is the way to end poverty. Uh, rather than giving them handouts, you are, you know, us as business owners, entrepreneurs, we, we know stuff. We know how to start and grow a business. We know what failures like and how to pivot and, and how to um, overcome challenges. And those are valuable skills. And so he, with Partners Worldwide, they're connecting business owners like me with people all over the world to create a business over in their country and create jobs and in poverty globally. That is their goal. And so I had an awesome conversation with Doug. If you are, have ever thought like, you know, wondering about what your place is and how you can actually be a business owner and be a blessing still, because there is this thinking that, you know, unless you're a pastor or unless you're a missionary, that you are not really doing God's work, that you aren't really important in the kingdom of God. But guys, that is a lie. We as business owners have knowledge. We have skills. These are things that God has placed in us 
And yes, we can use them to be a blessing to the world. And so if um, this intrigues you at all, you're going to love this episode with Doug. Uh, It's an awesome conversation about his story, what he's doing in the world and how we as business owners can be involved. Here's my interview with Doug. Doug, welcome to Streams of Income Radio, my friend. So good to meet you. Thank you, Ryan. You also, you also. We had an awesome conversation right before we hit record already. I think we're just, could be ending right there, but um, just, uh, I love what you're doing. I want, I want my audience to hear your story of, you know, getting into business, starting partners worldwide, how you met your wife, anything you feel like is uh, relevant to my business audience. So guys, this is Doug. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. So I, I often ask people that, how, how did we get here? Tell me your story. And mm-hmm. so, I, so I'll tell you this. Um, I wouldn't be talking to you today, Ryan, if I hadn't uh, gone to Bangladesh at the mm-hmm. age of 21. Wow. And, and I wouldn't have gone to Bangladesh if I hadn't, um, if I hadn't had this uh, class when I was 19. I was an ag business guy. I grew up mm-hmm. on a family farm you know, in a rural, a small, a small Eastern Washington farming community, uh, you know, small town, church, all that. Um, And went to a Christian school for the first eight years. And I found out later when they asked me to speak at a 40th anniversary or something that my grandpa, my mom's dad had mortgaged his dairy to start that Christian school. And then I went to public high and I went to I went to university, but, but, um, when I was 19, uh, I had this class, I decided I was going to go, I was going to go into agricultural business and I had a class and all Aggies heard this, went experienced this class, but the prophet was on the blackboard. It was the very first session. And he, he talked about the, he had a graph up there with, uh, the years here and the uh, world population horizontally And at the, at the start, they were together and then, and then population went like this Mm -hmm. and food production went like this. And there was a big gap, but I think Mm -hmm. it was around 2030. There was a big gap and I was 19 and I thought, wow, that's my, that's in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was the Malthusian theory, Thomas Malthus, 1800s. And I remember seeing that, seeing that gap. And I thought this man does not understand the nature of God. Yeah. And people created in his image and and their creativity and unlimited potential. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that Thomas Malthus was a pastor uh-huh. and an economist. Wow. Right? And he was the contemporary to Adam Smith. I don't know what exactly, but uh-huh. but that was that that class and that graph mm. is what I thought that was my call wow. looking back. Yeah. And I even wrote a letter. So I was, so it was my sophomore year and I, and I, I wrote a letter to our church, uh, our church um, denomination. They had an organization that was their diaconal outreach globally. Uh-huh. And I wrote a letter and said, Hey, I'm going to finish all my requirements this year. I'm going to go into my major. If I was to be an agricultural missionary, what mm. courses would you advise me to take? Mm. And, you know, I don't know how they would have answered that in 1975, right? Did that, did that even exist, an agricultural missionary? Right, right, <laughs> exactly. And so they, they, I got a form letter back. It was, it was one page, three paragraphs, typed out, and I knew it was a cut-and-paste letter, you know, that they sent to everybody. And I remember reading that, and I, uh, and I chucked it across the room. 
mm. and, and said, okay, I'm, I'm going in, I'm going into business. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a big farm. I'm going to have my own plane, a lot of employees. Yes. So that was, that was sophomore year. And, and now I'm in my, in my senior year and I'm interviewing for jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, I had just signed a contract with a consulting company and I, and I was, I was looking at something in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of things that, you know, uh, one, that was global, but all the, all the jobs were really a, a selling product. This company was selling knowledge. And so it intrigued me. It was a founder and it was, and he was looking for someone to, to, you know, take his place. And so I felt really good about that. And, and, and yeah. uh, it was to help farmers get a better ROI use, you know, use, use data, soil testing, petio, all that stuff. It was, it was not just selling fertilizer or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, so I just signed that contract and I was, I was real excited. And then I was part of a, I was part of Alpha Gamma Rho fraternity. My, uh, a guy from my church talked me into going there and, 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 and he, but one of my classmates came in, it was a Sunday night and he got the banner. Uh, it was our church publication and why he was getting the banner at this fraternity. It was, it was wild, but there was a party going on outside. Uh-huh. I was studying for an exam. He came in and said, Doug, look at this. And in the back cover, it said, it was, you know, it said it was the jobs area. It said urgently needed. Mm. agronomists in Haiti and Bangladesh. And I go, wow. Oh no. And I remember that class. <laughs> oh no. And so, yeah, really, it was like, it just leaped out of the page at yeah. me. Yeah. And, and he said, I don't know if you're interested in this. I got up at, at five 30 the next morning, we had wake up calls. It was, mm-hmm. so it was eight 30 uh, in Michigan time. Mm-hmm. I called their 800 number and I got this real, uh, I, I asked for you know this agency, and I got a friendly lady, and I said, "Listen, I just saw your, I just saw your ad. I already have a job. I'm not looking for a job, but if you think I can serve, uh, I will apply." And we we had a long conversation. Anyway, long story short, they sent me the they sent me the application form in snail mail. I filled it out, sent it back. And they asked me to come interview and I had finished my final exams. You had a little gap between your exams and your walking, uh-huh. you know, and came back and, and did that interview. And I, that was, um, and I just got, I just got my mind opened up to a, a whole other world. But what was so interesting about it was when I asked, when I, when I asked the guy, uh, you know, he said, you're going to help these poor farmers you know, they can't even produce enough food to feed their families. They're starving in Bangladesh in 1978 was, it was a young nation. It was really, it was a tough time, right? They had lost 3 million people to the war with Pakistan becoming, you know, Bangladesh. Time magazine has to cover the bloody birth of Bangladesh and they had the world's worst cyclone killed half a million people. It was just a mess. And, and so when I asked this guy, so if we're doing this, how do we, how do do how do we pay for the do they pay for these services and he just laughed <laughs> he said no they're too poor he said he said we're gonna i said well how do you how do you pay for me he said you're gonna because i because i was in this <laughs> business where farmers successful farmers were paying me for some right. dollars they didn't have and he said we got supporting churches for that anyway i share that because i said oh and i remember thanking god that I didn't think I would get paid. I said, "Oh man!" Yeah. I was, did you have to raise your supporter? They did it for you. No, they did it. See, that's and good. I, yeah. Anyway, so I, I fly back home and I, I start to read up on Bangladesh and Haiti and wow. and decide I don't want to go to Bangladesh. I want to go to Haiti. That'd be easier. 
<laughs> and then I go to work at my job and I don't hear anything. And then I don't know if it was three months later, I get this letter and, and they, um, they say, we want you to go to Bangladesh. And I was terrified. Oh man. But anyway, that Ryan, that, that experience, mm. that experience of working with these very small scale, um, you know, poorest of the poor farmers, it just, um, you know, they were so talented, so hardworking. Yeah. And really, they taught me, I, I just asked questions. I didn't know anything about rice. And um, that was the main crop. Mm. They're the world's fourth largest producer of rice today in a wow. country the size of Wisconsin. Because right? you were there back in the 70s. Well, yeah. Well, no, no. But I mean, we had a little part, right? right I right, went right. back in 2018. <laughs> I had an opportunity to go back in 2018 and okay. meet this organization that we yeah. started. It was the Bogra district. It was Bogra extension education services. It's, uh -huh. it's the Bangladesh extension education service today. And when I left, we had 4,000 farmers. We had helped really proud of this. They went yeah. from deficit to surplus, yeah. but that organization today, it's 45 years old and they, they're a $120 million organization. And they, wow. and they serve, uh, about 250,000 families and about a million clients, but it's all done sustainably mm. through microcredit and, and the profits are used to do all the work in education and healthcare, the things that we, so the things yes. that we were raising money for. Right? right. So I just look at that. And, and uh, so all, so what I'm saying is I found myself getting so when I understood the problems of why people, these farmers were poor, mm -hmm. uh, and, and Bangladesh was really, you know, it, it was a very oppressive system at the time it, uh -huh. it, where we had a very small percentage of farmers who lived in the city owning the land and you had sharecropping and sharecropping. It was, it was brutal. It was 60% would go to the landowner and uh -huh. the farmers taking all the risks. So I found myself getting really angry and saying, you know, that Chinese proverb is just a bunch of bull crap, you know, <laughs> teach a Teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime, give uh -huh. him fish, eat for the day. So these these guys know how to fish. They need access to the pond. Yeah. Access to the pond, right? And so um, I handed over my I handed over my job to my Bengali counterpart. Mm -hmm. And anyway, that and, and to see that that institution today, you know, uh, that is the picture, Ryan, for the yes. world, right? Yes. And so I was so I was so impacted by that I'm, I'm getting ready to leave and we had just had a celebration um one day for the we brought in the best farmers and heard their stories and i couldn't sleep that night and i was i it was a hot august night and uh you know steamy hot and i was i, I couldn't sleep thinking about all those stories i heard i said i said lord i don't know what i'm going to do when i go back to the states i'm just three years behind all my friends and i was a pretty competitive guy right <laughs> they're married they got businesses they got right. you know they got houses i'm I'm just going back to do what I was doing. And, and by the way, these profs that were teaching me, they're, they're still talking about, they're still in their bubble. I mean, <laughs> but I said, I think I'm pretty good at this work, but I need a partner. I need someone yes. crazy enough. If you'll give me someone crazy enough to go to countries like this, I'll spend my life working on the end of poverty. Wow. That was it. And oh I God. come back, you know, and, you, and, and I come back, and I meet my wife five months later in this inner city church in Grand Rapids that they now they talked me into coming and working uh, uh, in headquarters for a year. I was going to go back to school. I was, anyway, 
and uh, I met her at an inner city church my very first Sunday, and she was. Um, yeah, you said they in your book that they put brought her up on stage and said she needed well, some she, help she, finding an yeah, apartment. They, they had yeah they had this they had this uh, prayer time, and she got up and said, "I'm I'm taking this job in Harlem, and I need an apartment." Anyway, and you had a contact. And I had a contact. So how did, I read in your book, you said that, and guys, by the way, it's called My Business, My Mission. I'll make sure that the link is in the show notes. But how did you go from, it said you guys, you met her that Sunday and you were married five months later? Yes. Like, I don't, yes. I know this is, we could probably have a whole other episode about how that worked out. And we want to get into the business side too. But real quick, like, how did that happen? Like from, she was moving to New York, but- did you guys well, totally. go to New York for a bit or did you, she stay oh, in Michigan? No, no. She went to New York. So we had from June 13, she moved to New York. We had, it was uh-huh. like, uh, it was like a month and I saw her every day for a month and we talked and t- I probably talked and talked and talked. Did and you go up listened. to her after church and say, Hey, I have a contact. At, yes, in New York? yes, I did. That's exactly what happened. And, okay. we, and, and, uh, and then, <laughs> and then we, uh, we had, we had tea the next day and okay. talked and talked and talked and it was like, and then she went, and uh, she didn't take the place that I got for her because she got it was it probably wasn't in the right area. And then I went and visited her once. Yeah. And then, you know, we and then we did all this snail mail. We had we have boxes of letters and, uh-huh. you know, and phones were expensive. Wow. Then, but it was it, it was you read these you read these <laughs> letters. It was really like, what's going on? She wow. was, you know, what's going on here, God? And so, yeah, it was really she she came back, which was a huge thing came back and we, uh, and we got married and, and everybody was shaking their heads that what's going on, you know, five months, but yeah. we, 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 uh, we're celebrating 39 years. That's year. awesome. It, it My parents' totally- story is kind of like that. It's not, uh, they, they got married in uh, August, met the, that same April. So they're, uh, they're, that's a similar thing. Interesting. So you yeah. guys got married and you moved over to Kenya before going we went, to Uganda, well, we right? Went, yeah, we went to, so at that time, Uganda was, Idi Amin had been thrown yep. out and there was, there was a lot of refugees in East, East Africa, East and Southern Africa. These were all young nations. They were finding their way. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was, can we do this work? This is with the church. Can we do the work of, you know, com, uh, of self-help, you know, knowledge, uh-huh. in ag and, and healthcare and, and education and whatnot. Can we do that with refugee communities in, in other, other countries? That was the, that mm. was kind of the vision. And, and so that's yeah. what we went out to do, but yeah. we ended up, um, we ended up bringing up, we, we ended up doing what no one else is doing, trying to get the Ugandans to come back from Southern Sudan. Mm-hmm. There was a million Ugandans displaced. And wow. when we went into the camps in Southern <clears throat> Sudan and you could just see the disparity. The Ugandans were more educated than the Southern Sudanese. Mm-hmm. They were more prosperous than where they came from. And every one of them said, we're going to go home at the first opportunity. Yeah. And there was already inequities, you know, between them being benefited from there as refugees and the local Sudanese not. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's what we did. And that's how, that's how we started. And then, and then just grew from there. Yeah. And it was just, it was just a, uh, it was phenomenal. You know, God, my course, my wife's just amazing. And uh, yeah, so we, we went from there five years in Uganda during the war. We had our first two kids born, both of them literally under gunfire. It was a very wild time, but you know, it's like we could do anything at that time. And then, and then we moved to Kenya and we just started Tanzania next year. And then 
Malawi and then Zambia and, and we mm. and we and we got three we got we were privileged to get three three uh, war orphans from uh, Ethiopia uh, uh, direct direct before there was adoption from the government through our through the ambassador uh, mm. that my wife worked for in in, in Uganda ran their health uh -huh. clinic and and it, we had, we had a little mantra hey open another country get another kid it was just like you know and uh and then along come these business people to see the work in in, in 1992 yeah and is that when you met that, uh let's see the um gentleman named um milt yeah oh yeah yeah well well what was happening these guys on this side so these were all these were all business owners all entrepreneurs uh -huh. and they were supporters of of world renew this church uh -huh. outreach right uh -huh. and um and they were starting to ask the question. It was just, it's just God, you know, awakening people, right? Their their questions were, what can we do as business people yes. besides be the be the funders? And uh, so I met him. I met him. I actually met him at a, a at a meet a Mennonite Economic Development Associate uh, mm -hmm. summit in Toronto. Okay. And then they came out to Kenya and to see the work, and that was really where that's really where I got the it it became it became clear to me because just like I was affirmed in my church in 1978, I was commissioned as an agricultural missionary mm -hmm. and, and they even had written up, you know, whereas there are 4.2 billion people in the world. And whereas, you know, there's 40% of them are hungry and malnourished. We need missionaries of all kinds, you know, agriculturalists and, yes. and healthcare workers. They didn't say business people at that time, mm. but I was so affirmed that I could be a missionary and, and be my, you know, uh, be agriculture and business. And, and, uh, and so when they came out and I heard their stories, they had gone to Christian university, Christian college. I went for eight years mm -hmm. and, but they were all talking about, their business on this hand and ministry over here. And it was that trip that I just thought I was so convicted because when I left, when I left Bangladesh, my counterpart, Abdul Salam said to me, Doug, we've been doing this all wrong. I said, what are you talking about? We got the best thing in the world. And he said, if we don't get the rich Bengalis to care about the poor Bengalis, it's always going to be a Bideshi problem, you know, a foreigner, a missionary. Right. And so his words came back about rich and poor because I saw these, really, uh, um, yeah, wealthy uh, Christian American business owners. And there, there was almost like a longing, a lack of, of um, uh, there was something, there was, there was something uh, missing in mm -hmm. the Kenyans who were economically poor. There was this, you know, this joy and this fullness and this togetherness. Yes. And it just was such a contrast to see that and watch what happened when they came together and the conversations we would have at night. And when they were going back from their trip, you could almost see a feel a sadness in them about what they were going back to. Yeah. Right. Mm. And so his words connect rich and poor, they just burned in my head. And then the yes. thing about here's the folks that know how to create wealth yes. and here's the folks that, need the opportunity. Just like when I went to Bangladesh, the farmers have, have the talent, but they don't have the access. So it was two things, rich and poor, but it was business people because it, yeah. it just convicted me. We were doing, we were working with everyone except the entrepreneur, the very people that, and so that's what got us to leave, leave wow. Africa and come back and, 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 and start this. And, wow. and um, yeah. And, and, the, and the vision was, you know, uh, uh, a worldwide movement uh -huh. of business people 
who profess their faith and love for Jesus Christ so that rich and poor individuals and groups, communities and nations will be uh, transformed and more completely reflect the kingdom of God. That was the original vision of that statement I wrote because, I, you know, coming out of that 19 years of that context, it was that let's bring these folks together. Wow. And, Partners uh, Worldwide yeah. was born. That was Partners Worldwide <laughs> born. And then, yeah, you know, and we just, just before this, Ryan, we had a, we had our global leadership team on and we're doing, we're doing Vista 2030 planning right now. Yeah. And we got, we got uh, respondents from a couple hundred people in our, in our stakeholders, our local partners, uh, local entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. the business affiliates, who are, is a term for our volunteers, who they yep. partner long-term. They're not, yep. they're not volunteers to go do something for a gig. It's a, it's right. a long-term partnership. And then right. our staff and our board. And it was amazing to see, I was just thinking about it because we always had vision, mission was always on the top. It's a great vision, great mission, but mm-hmm. the frustration was, how do you do it? And they're, mm-hmm. you know how business people are. I mean, they're like me, they're impatient They want, and they're never satisfied. And it, But it's really hard. Yeah. It was really hard to do this from uh, a distance. And everybody said, you can't do it. And, and, and some of those guys said to me, we're going to figure it out. And, yes. and, and so what I was so gratified today about looking at this data was um, there was, there was such the things that people most value and most appreciated over this last period with, with COVID mm-hmm. and about partners, it was spirituality, relationship, mm-hmm. connection. It was encouragement. It was yes. the networking and it was the training, the mentoring, uh, and it wow. wasn't about it wasn't about all the technical stuff. It was all about the relationship because that's what sustained and held us yes. together. The communication, the encouragement, and so I was thinking, yeah. wow, you know. Uh, so, well, we always say in our community, business is relationships. Absolutely, and that's, all about relationships. and that's the thing. When I so when I came back and started meeting these business folks, we had this vision for this worldwide movement. People would say, "How many you got now?" I said, "I got 25. <laughs> right? And then, and then I, I'm I'm looking at the yeah. Uh, so it was it was hard, but the but everyone I talked to, I, I talked to these business owners, and they say, "Oh man, you're a hero. You know, maybe I'll sell my maybe I'll sell." my business and, and go be like you. And I, and I'd say to him, why would you do that? Right. I'd go in their business and I'd see the, the stuff they were doing. And I'd go back yeah. to the church and say, you guys, they're doing what we're talking about. Yeah. It was, you were talking about servant leadership. They're talking yeah. about empowerment. You talk about ownership. You talk about community impact. And I, and I, and I remember going to, to Pella, Iowa in 1997 mm-hmm. and it was a small community, but I, I went there and I saw these, these businesses that started out locally and now they're global, they're global all over the world. And I, and I see, I said, there's no poverty here. Mm. There's no poverty. And okay, granted it's pretty homogeneous community, Mm. but if they can do it here in Pella, we can do it in Nairobi. We can do it in Arua, Uganda. We can do it all over the world. And, and uh, because if we, if we help business people, in their calling, when we when we talk to our business people as customer, what can what what can we help? They wanted to grow in their faith, their ministry, and their stewardship. Yeah. And if we do that for business owners, they'll take 
care of the problem of poverty all over the world. That's right. Give me some, I love the, these. So guys, you got to get this book, but um, is there a story in here you want to highlight or just to tell my audience about one of the people in here, or maybe even somebody outside of this book that give them an idea of exactly what you guys are doing with a real life example. Yeah. So, so, um, so we started out with, so when we, so when I came back, we took business people over and we met with business people from, from Kenya and we, and, and, uh, and then we went around and we thought, you know, should we do these, should we do like a, uh, you know, go in a tax free zone and do a larger business and employ people that way. And, and we, and we met all types of, we talked to ministers and we, when we, you know, it was a three days, three day conference, but it was, we landed on, there was one guy, Simon Ingero, who was at that conference and you could see he was, or at that meeting, you could see that he was a little bit out of sorts because he was, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, as they say in Kenya, he wasn't a big, the big fish. He was, you could see he was just a startup kind of guy. And, but he had, um, I think he had 10 employees and we had brought him here uh, even before this, this event. No, it was after it. He, and he, um, and he met some business people here. He was in metalworks and they helped them with plating and polishing. And he grew for, he grew that, he started in his home and he was a pastor also. He had, he had churches, but he started in his home and uh, then he grew and he had, he had maybe five employees when we, what was his business again? Uh, it's Fimmel Works. <coughs> okay, okay, okay. It's called Fimmel Works, um, but he was, okay. uh, yeah, played, uh, uh, you know, uh, Metalworks. Okay, and, yes. Um, and and uh, I just got from our staff in Kenya, they had a Kenyan television interviewed him. Wow. And and uh, it's 35 minutes and, and and talked about him, his his story from startup to uh-huh. where he is today. It's, it's over 30 years uh, in existence, and he is... He has, he has transformed his community and he's not a, and he's gone through, he's gone through so much because, you know, Kenya for, you know, they allow uh, tax-free imports of bicycles and, and manufactured stuff, but they tax steel, right? And, oh and, and it comes, it comes from, it's a, it's a legacy from the uh, British uh, colonial days, uh-huh. but, it, but it's, it's um, what I'm saying is it's not a very friendly environment to people like him, yeah. but he has, but anyway, when we met him, uh, I said to one of our partners, if we have, if we have 10,000 Simon and Gurus around the world, because mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to create a hundred thousand jobs and say, we'll, yes. we'll do this, but I'm just telling you, he is the prototype he started this group chess christian entrepreneurs savings and credit cooperative because we said are there more people like you he said, oh there's lots of us and it was the <laughs> folks that were they weren't micro and they weren't informal they were formal businesses but uh-huh. there was nobody serving them yeah right they were yeah. too large for the micro uh, services and they're uh-huh. no one in the formal sector businesses anyone would look at them right but he you know and i hadn't even thought about that he would be He's the guy, he is an amazing leader, but he is the guy that we built this entire model on globally. Every context different, but the idea of people that are serious, they're not people that want to start business. They're people in already in business. Mm-hmm. They believe in it. And how can we help them grow? Just like yeah. those farmers in Bangladesh that are yeah. in agriculture, you know, they're not going, you know, Ryan, I wouldn't ask you, do you want to go start a farm and, and I'll give you money for it? No. No, I mean, that can happen too, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Sure. So 
Yeah, so 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 he's one person, and just you know, the uh, what changed what changed in in his life, and what changed so Milk Kyers. Uh-huh. Milt Kyers is one business that he went to and Milt's in Milwaukee and he's just an outstanding business man and, and leader as well. But when Simon went and met, saw his, his company, he asked Milt, Milt talks about this in the book. He asked Milt, how many, how many families, how many families do you have working for you? And Milt was just taken aback because he had never thought about his employees. He was a good employer. Yeah. Right. But he had thought of them as jobs, not families. Mm. And so Milt's asking him, he's Milt's adding it up. He says, he says, uh, no, Simon said, how many, how many people do you have working here? And, and Milt adds it up, he says, about 500. And Simon says, you have an awesome responsibility yes. for 500 families. Yes. And Milt was just taken aback like, <laughs> wow. You know? And like I said, he was, he was a great employer and people, uh, but he hadn't thought about it that way. So what I'm trying to say, Ryan, is that mm. what happened in this, these partnerships is what happened. It's like, it's like iron sharpening iron in the body of Christ. You know, if you yes. think about the body of Christ, Paul talks about, you can talk about the arm and the eyes and the hand and, the, and, the, and all that. Mm-hmm. And you can think about that as gifting, but you can also think about it globally. You've yes. got that map behind you. So you can think yeah. about the body of Christ. You know, Uganda is a piece of the body of Christ. Or, and, and just the, you know, that global body and, and learning and learning from each other. So what happened is these folks, when they went out, just what happened to me in Bangladesh, when they would, when they would go out and start working with local business owners, mm-hmm. first in Kenya, and then, you know, what happened is they came back and said, Doug, these guys they're really living out their 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 faith and business is not separated. They have right. There's no there's there's not all these laws and legal things, but they were just so convicted about that their business is really really is their ministry. Yes. And they 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 are doing they're starting every day, Simon, he started every day with an hour in the word. Yes, and our our Africa director Martin Matuku, it was his first job as a CEO, and he talks about that. Two hours with Simon early in the morning before the the the, the company would start, wow. or, or no, with Chess. I'm sorry, with Chess, not Female Works, mm-hmm. and Simon mentoring him. Yes, and right, and so that so that's what happened, Ryan. These folks would just come back and say, "Wow, you know, they were convicted by what they learned to do things differently here," and those folks were blessed convicted to do things differently there from the best of here and the best of there. Wow. And that's what came full circle with our board in 2008 when we had the uh, great recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was a nine waking and awareness. People were saying, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of hypocritical. We, we shouldn't be exporting anything we're not doing here first. Mm. So it started to become do it, do it, do it in your business, mm-hmm. do it in your home community. Yeah. And then do it globally. Wow. Right. Yeah. So it's, wow. it's, uh, yeah. I want to get you know, into just, the, just, the, just the ability, you know, just work. You know, yeah. I do want to say this, you know, people come, you know, people hear a job, oh, my job, you know, and, <laughs> you know, not very many people say, thank God it's Monday. Right. <laughs> right. That's what you should, right. Um, but I'm just telling you, um, when people, People 
mothers and fathers separate, they immigrate, they, people as human beings, you can't do this if you're not a human being, they care for their families and their children, they will go to all ends to do that, right? So you, you have globally, you know, you, we talk about immigration reform here in the States, it's global. You go to yes. Dubai and there's people from every country of partners there and people are going there and they're going there for three years where work, work the tails off and they go back home. We are training them, working with them to, before they go back in their country. But I'm just saying it's everywhere in the world. The whole world mm-hmm. is, the whole world is going everywhere. And that, uh, that's what I see God, uh, God doing with, um, you know, refugees and exodus is where we've gotten to a point where there's maybe negative population growth, like in Europe. Yes. God's, but God's bringing the answer for, for, you know, honestly, his, his, his vision for ushering all nations, his answer to their need is the very thing they don't want. Mm. <laughs> right. But, but no, but a job, you know, you think about Genesis and job and, you know, the blessing of work, not the curse of work, right. the blessing. It was the original blessing, not the curse. Yes, that's right. And the, and the, you know, the marketplace, what God has envisioned for the marketplace mm-hmm. and, and work the, you know, work. And like you said, business is relationship. You, yes. you can't do any business alone. No. Business is the best community building yes, uh, thing you can do when it's done right. Yes. Wow. Um, This is good stuff. I love this conversation. Just love listening to, to everything you're you're saying. Um, You, you had a friend named John Vanderplug that talked to you and told you about the, in your book that you have a ladder. It's on page 13. Um, He describes the ladder and um, I know there are business people in my audience. So, so guys, for those of you listening there, the ladder essentially that John was saying is like the, um, the missionaries at the top, you know, the mother Teresa's, the people that give, sell everything and go serve the poor overseas. Those are at the top of, you know, the holy ladder or something like God sees them as most noble, most holy doing, doing his work underneath them. You got the pastors and then underneath them, you might have firemen and policemen and school teachers, teachers and underneath that's the business people. Workers. Yes. Underneath that's the business, us as business people. And that, that thinking is so prevalent, even as a business owner, I hear it from other business owners thinking that, you know, if I was really going to be following God's will for my life, I'd have to be a pastor or a missionary. And that those are the people that are doing, truly doing God's work. Why don't, can you just encourage the people who are, that know that they're supposed to be in business, but don't really feel like it's a, a godly thing. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So, so as you're saying that, I go right back to that that um, that informal settlement in Kenya, where um, uh, you know you got it wasn't Kibera that it was cl- close to there, but we're that's where we were standing, and the sewage is running down. Is at the end of the trip. It's hot. Mm-hmm. It's dusty, and we're talking to these these uh, entrepreneurs, and that's when John said, "Doug, here's the thing." In the church, in the eyes of the church, and I didn't, and I didn't know this about him at the time. And this guy is—he's—he just exudes leadership, right? He's a—he's a—he's with the Lord. He just went to the Lord yeah. earlier this year, and his last text to me was, "Doug, I can't wait to meet you in heaven. What a joyful day that will wow. be!" That's the last oh words on my phone. Wow. 
because I couldn't because I couldn't go be with him because yeah. of COVID, right? Yeah. So I'm sending him little. He 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 wow. was on his uh, email to the end, uh-huh. but so they were standing there, and John and, and he says, "Here's the thing, Doug. In the eyes of the church, you're on the top of the ladder because you're a missionary, and then pastors come next, and then teachers and social workers and doctors and nurses." And he said, but the business person isn't even, isn't even on the ladder. And so you think about where I was in Bangladesh and India, where this, this caste system with, with the, 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 lower, the lower caste is, you know, it's 300 million people, mm-hmm. right? And I, that, so that was my image, you know, as he's going through this. Mm-hmm. You're not, because when you're an outcast, you're, so I was thinking of him thinking, saying that as a business people are outcasts. And he said, you know, we hear we hear sermons about the uh, evils of money, not the love of money. We get stories about the rich oppressing the poor. People think that we were, you know, we got our wealth. We just I just started this business to support my family. I had no idea right. I was ever going to have any wealth, right? But he said, everyone's coming to us for our money uh, from Monday to Saturday. And he said, you know, can we be partners? Can we use our experience our lessons hard knock lessons of life our management our leadership experience and business experience can we can we be part of the solution to ending poverty and bringing about the kingdom of god and not be seen as part of the problem and it just hit me um you know he he said can we be partners Mm -hmm. and um and and that was that was the clarifying call. Just like when I said uh, the call to go to Bangladesh, that was a clarifying call right there from him. That question, I gotta. If I'm serious about my commitment to the Lord back in Bangladesh, I'll spend my lifetime ending poverty. This is the way we gotta do it. We gotta get. We got. We gotta do it through business. We yes. gotta. Their business people were not anywhere in the mix at, at that time, and now now they are, of course, right? Yeah. But but then I find out later when I went to John's church to speak at his church. I walk in there and on the walls, all these line of pastors, right? And there is his father. Mm-hmm. So I find out his father is a pastor. His grandfather was a pastor and the editor of our banner. And so when John got up there and introduced me and said, you know, partners allows me, he, he describes as a little old business guy. Mm-hmm. He felt he was, they're they're affirmed for their holy calling, just like I felt affirmed, you know, when I went yes. to Bangladesh. And so, really, that's our that's our message. God desires everyone to flourish. Mm-hmm. Business is a holy calling. It is, and business is the way. It's the only way to end poverty. I don't care yeah. where you go, any community you go to, you can have as many schools, you can have as many, um, you know, if you don't have if you don't have a flourishing economic environment. Mm-hmm. The community is always, it's never going to flourish, right? Yes. And then partnerships, partnerships are the way to ensure not only sustainability, but that everyone flourishes and not just a few. Yes. Oh my and gosh. Then, and then, you know, and God does this idea that the poor will be with you always is always is so taken out of context. Jesus is only talking to his disciples who were beating up on this lady. Right. But listen, don't beat up on her. She just anointed me for my burial. But you'll you'll have I'm gonna be gone in 48 hours. You, you're gonna have the poor with you till you die. Right. 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 And we're yeah. all gonna be we're all gonna be poor in some way until heaven and earth are reunited and Jesus comes. But this idea that 
you, you we we we're going to have ex, we 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 can have extreme no it's it's a, it's in a it's in a it's in a, a it's an abomination to the lord right. that in 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 today's world and the wealth that we have and the and the technology and the ability to connect in relationship that anyone doesn't have that there should be no one living in right. extreme poverty and it will it will be history Absolutely. And then when you give somebody a job, give them economic opportunity, that gives you a platform to speak into their life spiritually, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Because what happens? What happens in any relationship? It always devolves to why am I here? Mm. And where am I going? And it always goes to purpose. It always goes to, it it goes to the the essence of being human and being spiritual. It it always goes there. And, you know, the greatest thing is when we just had this from our partners in, um, uh, in Myanmar, where they're going through some really difficult times. And there, there are, um, there are so many uh, people Mm -hmm. coming to being baptized. Yes. Because they're saying, this is unbelievable, you know, what you're doing for us, right? Mm-hmm. And the greatest, I always say the greatest oper- the greatest acknowledgement of my faith or my walk is when people ask me mm-hmm. about my faith as opposed to me beating them up, right? Yes. When people absolutely. ask me because of, of what they, somebody just, a few weeks ago in Sioux Falls, we had, had, had dinner with a couple of folks on a board there and, and, you know, all the, they said to me, Doug, can you, can you talk about, you know, they were, they were talking about critical race theory and racism. And they mm-hmm. said, Doug, you've act, you've lived this. Is this, is this real? They asked me mm-hmm. about my, uh, what I thought about all this yeah. and I could share it. You know, I could share it because it's real through the lives of my kids. And that's how the gospel is. If you're living the gospel, people are going to want to know what's going on. Absolutely. So, so yeah. And so increasingly in the world, the the only church people might experience is in the the business where they work. So Mm -hmm. think about that. Absolutely. So my audience, I know some of them are like pricked right now. Their hearts are pricked. They're like, I want to help. How can they, what are some way, obviously, you know, partners worldwide needs uh, financial donations. We can talk about that. What are some ways business owners um, can come alongside and support you guys and what you're doing? Oh, wow. You know, so yeah, it's, so I always say, um, you know, and that's why I ask people their story. You see what God's doing in their heart. So we, we, we have a partner, I just talked about him yesterday, um, that he's involved with partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's gone, he's gone down on trips, but he's in, he's in, he's in the building business. You know, he builds, designs, restores. Uh-huh. And so when he really comes alive, it's about, it's about housing for the poor. Yes. Right. Well, that's very, that's very, that's very integral to a flourishing community, right? Home ownership. And, and so I always, so I would say to your audience, you know, what, what I, and I've said this to um, um, mentoring some younger leaders are saying, what would you tell us? You know, if you, uh, if you could go back, what would you tell yourself 20 years ago? And what would you tell us? And I, and I say, uh, you know, reflect on what, because it's connected your passion of your heart, 
the passion of your heart is connected. The more it's connected to what you do, uh, the more synergy. So I'd say, so I'm rambling here now. I'm sorry, Ryan. Okay, but, that's all so right. no, so, but no, really, really, we, we, um, we, we were talking about this today. Cause when you, when you, when you see what's the most valuable, the business mentoring, the training, it's the relationship. So I would say, you know, uh, in, we're, we're, tr- our, we're trying, we're trying to get more people connected. So even, even we have some mentoring relationships virtually now, you can't, yep. you can't do that without the context of the local institution and the long relationship of trust. Mm-hmm. But that's, there, there is that where there's that possibility, mm-hmm. but, um, but I would, I would say both where you are, um, you know, we're trying to, we're always trying to connect business people here together mm-hmm. and then globally. Yeah. And so, yes, there's, there's ways you can be, uh, you can be, um, uh, you can be a trainer, you can be a mentor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually what, um, you know, we can, and increasingly you can do it locally, yes. locally right here in the U S yeah. and then, um, Yes, and you can, and you can, you can, um, you can get involved. In any, I, I don't call it a donor; I call it a financial partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have different ways and different def, different ways you can do entry, and then, uh-huh. but it, yeah. But but what we're trying to do is get a meaningful relationship, whether you travel or not. I guess the going globally, more and more people say that's like the Marines. You know, it's for it's yeah. not for everyone, right? But, but um, yeah, I would no. I would say um, if you're if anyone here is listening to this and, and God's tugging on your heart, yeah. I've found so many people go on 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 trips, and then often that's where God will God will put things together as well. But it can happen yes. right here, right here really as well. Awesome websites partnersworldwide.org. Is that right? Yeah. All right, and I'll have a link in the show notes. Doug, thank you so much for being on with me. I'm. This was so fun. I get to meet you and hear your story. And uh, thank you for what you're doing to you know, be Jesus to the world. Oh, thank you, Ryan. I, I, oh, I'm the, the marketplace. God's, uh, honestly, the marketplace uh, and flourishing. And I mean that for all of, all of uh, everything, you know, creation. Um, the, the physical order, but it's the marketplace that, you know, the longer I live, I see God's just dream for what that can be for, yes. for his people. And yeah. yeah. And yeah. And you're doing it. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, we'll Ryan. Talk soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to streams of income with self-help author, Ryan Rieger. From right here in the Dallas Metroplex, Ryan teaches several entrepreneurial courses and group coaching programs to students all over the world. Be sure to listen next week at the same time for Streams of Income with Ryan Rieger.